300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Yes, it's Mutiny Radio, and it's Labor and Love, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. This is how it is. Here we tell you how it is. Look out, kid, they keep it all hit. 
sandals, try to the scandals. Don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum. The pump don't work, cause the vandals took the handle. Good morning, San Francisco, and everybody out there in the far beyond. This is Labor and Love, your Saturday morning music and labor magazine. Music, of course, of social significance. What else? Again, with Bob Dylan, Subterranean, Homesick Blues, but we are just beginning. Here we go with the great Louis Armstrong, some weekend blues.
And yet we still are in the throes of a great drought. Here's Brother Charlie Morgan. In New Zealand I read a magazine, something nasty crossed my eye. The earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. New Zealand ferns are always green, it rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, go where you can do some good. Cloud, stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden, nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California don't want to see her die I stared up to the diamond stars One cashmere night Black velvet sky and a raging river Was no other sound or sight The Big Dipper hung up above the river And I felt that it was a shame all this water here in California dry I said to the dipper by name Reach down and kiss that raging river And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die People and the animals like to gather where water flows A beer, some tea, or a water hole, it's there where something grows And remember the music water makes, the rainy pool and the circle dance The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall, the laughing creek that feeds the plants Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn Can't waste away the ocean, water, air, or land If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. 
don't want to see her die. Brother Charlie Morgan there with his uh, drought song, Warning to Us All, which, as you probably know, we play every week here. Before that, we had Louis Armstrong with the West End Blues, just a nice sort of weekend, weekend song, blues, uh, beautifully rendered. And we had the, the subterranean homesick blues, which is how it is for a lot of young people. This is the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan. This is Labor and Love Radio. Every Saturday morning, we bring you a weekly labor magazine along with commentary, opinion, news, and... Uh, Music of Social Significance. Okay. And as always, we tell you, we tell you how it is. If one person got a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Well, welcome, everybody. Let's see what we got on the docket for today. Some football stories. The concussion issue that won't go away. That'll only get bigger and bigger until... Uh, Football is destroyed, football the way we see it. It's a sport that consumes its, its players. Martin Luther King at that commie folk school. Mr. Block will make an appearance again. How union is the Super Bowl anyway? Of course, we'll have the Wind Labor Report and the uh, World Labor Report from Radio Labor. And, of course, we'll have this day in labor history. A little bit about Francisco Exalarcón, the Chicano poet, very prominent Chicano poet, who died uh, recently, last week, I believe, and we'll have him reading one of his works. This is the B. And this is Mutiny Radio. Come on down to Mutiny and participate. Coming up is the great comedy festival, beginning March 2nd and lasting till March 6th. People from all over the nation will be coming here to San Francisco to participate, to trade and learn chops. The culture here at Mutiny Radio is not what E.E. E. Cummings once called dead but unburied imagination, that which goes for culture. 
in many places. This is culture that's happening, that's being done by people who love it, by people who do it out of love. So come on down. We've got uh, radio, but that's not all. We got comedy. We've got classes. We've got programs with local schools. We've got video. We've got music, live and otherwise. Come on down and check it out. Join in. Okay, let's start out with our win labor report so we can find out what's going on around the rest of the nation. Remember, you're never alone except when you don't stand up. And if you don't stand up, you're going to be counted for sitting down. They'll say you stood up for sitting down. Here's the win labor report. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a production of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Detroit teachers calling in sick closed 88 schools Wednesday, the biggest sick out so far. They want to draw attention to the public education crisis in Detroit. With inadequate school funding, high debt, and crumbling school buildings, Detroit teachers are refusing to just pretend it's business as usual. As President Obama visited the International Auto Show in Detroit, teachers were doing informational picketing about the city school's crisis. Detroit Federation of Teachers President Ivy Bailey says teachers decided on their own to have their sick out. She says having drawn some attention to the issue, teachers want to keep the fight to save Detroit public schools going. We want to keep it going where we have the community involved, where we have other stakeholders involved, and where the teachers can feel comfortable and secured that, you know, maybe something is really going to happen. People are going to come in and they're going to help us to turn this thing around. Bailey says teachers want a full airing of the school crisis in public hearings. Not only just the conditions in the school as far as facilities, but just educational issues, oversized classes, teacher shortage, curriculum, improving teacher practice, resources. The teacher sickouts were organized by a grassroots group called DPS Teachers Fight Back. Michigan Governor Rick Snyder says he will release his personal emails to provide some transparency to actions taken and not taken on Flint's water emergency. The governor and the state legislature are exempt from Michigan's Freedom of Information law, but Snyder says he made a personal decision to make his personal emails public. The UAW has called for all state documents on Flint's water emergency to be released regardless of legal exemptions. An emergency financial manager appointed by Governor Snyder decided to switch the city's water supply to the Flint River, which resulted in lead poisoning from the corrosive river water. Federal and state authorities are investigating, and lawsuits have been filed over the poisoning of the city's water. Residents have lived with it for 20 months. The Chicago Teachers Union is blasting what it says is an effort by Governor Bruce Rauner to engineer a state takeover of Chicago schools. CTU calls Rauner's actions the latest example of his bull-in-a-china-shop clumsy leadership methods. The Chicago Teachers Union says the governor continues trying to hold Illinois citizens hostage with an austerity agenda. The union is critical of the way Chicago schools are run, which it says includes a proliferation of private entities siphoning off public dollars for personal gain. The union wants to see community control of schools, higher taxes on the wealthy, money from toxic bank deals returned, and tax increment financing. 
for the Chicago schools. Workers Independent News is made possible in part through underwriting support from the United Steel Workers and from the International Association of Painters and Allied Trades. You've been listening to Win Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Okay, that was our Win Labor Report. Um, more news about Governor Snyder. Governor Snyder and the Flint water scandal. I think we need to call it what it is. It's an act of war. It's part of the war that corporate America is waging on its citizens, on the powerless, on the poor, on those people who don't have a political voice or they have less of a one because they can't go out and buy one. And this war takes the form of quote-unquote austerity, toxic dumping in, in neighborhoods, uh, poverty, the most violent weapon in the war. Uh, Governor Snyder released his emails. Whoopee. Okay. Radio Labor now. This is our worldwide labor report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, January 29th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. This week saw the start of a review process for an agreement signed by the European Union and the United States on one side of the table and the government of Bangladesh on the other. The agreement, called the Bangladesh Sustainability Compact, was instituted after the collapse of the Rana Plaza building in 2013. The disaster killed 1,300 mainly young women garment workers and injured more than 2,500. International labor organizations reacted to the incident by immediately lobbying for improved working conditions, safer factories, and freedom for workers in the country to form unions. A major result of this lobbying was the creation of the Accord on Fire and Building Safety, a legally binding contract now signed by more than 200 brand companies with two global unions. I talked to representatives from those two unions, Industrial and Uni, plus a legal expert from the International Trade Union Confederation, the ITUC. Christy Hoffman is the Deputy General Secretary of Uni. I asked her to describe the Bangladesh Sustainability Compact. This came about because the, following the collapse of Rana Plaza, the realization that the garment industry was built on an unsustainable foundation of complete disrespect for international standards, the EU decided that it needed to use its uh, relationship with Bangladesh largely through trade preferences to demand some change. So through this agreement, the government agreed to three pillars. One, that it would improve its respect for labor rights. Two, it would implement a plan on occupational safety and building integrity to really address the huge deficits that allowed Rana Plaza to happen, and three, to promote responsible business conduct. Ben van Han Peppersvate is an expert on global supply chains working with both uni and industrial. 
we see that there is mainly a decline in progress. Whereas after the Rana Plaza collapse, a lot of attention was put on the number of factory-level unions that could register. So all of a sudden, the government of Bangladesh allowed, again, for factory-level unions that have organized beyond the membership threshold to then register that union union as a recognized bargaining agent in uh, and for that uh, specific factory. And I think that has been also the single most and biggest achievement that happened on the ground uh, with the local actors since the collapse. And also the, the one thing that the government of Bangladesh has been using in its own public affairs efforts to highlight. There is no that renewed space for unions to organize and to register. So we've seen in the first year an incredible push of uh, factory-level registered unions. And what we now see is that registration is being stopped and that the registrar has said to a number of, of important federations, we're no longer taking any registrations from you guys. They've said that off the record. They obviously haven't said that on the record. But we do see that the rejection rate of applications has spiked. And at the same time, that the unions also stopped submitting applications. Jeffrey Vogt is the director of the legal department of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC represents national union centers at the world level. I asked him what the international labor movement is doing to help the workers and their unions in Bangladesh. We're trying to use all leverage that we can. I mean, the, the European government... It tied the sustainability compact to its trade preferences. It could begin to withdraw those preferences in a whole or in part. We're not advocating a complete withdrawal of trade preferences. That would be quite a, a shock. But I think they, they could incrementally uh, increase the pressure on Bangladesh. And in fact, the United States did withdraw trade preferences to Bangladesh uh, a few months after the uh, Rana Plaza disaster. And the U.S. had actually been monitoring the situation there after receiving a complaint in 2007 uh, and after the Rana Plaza disaster, it recognized that uh, Bangladesh was not being serious about uh, workers' rights. At the international level, we're working with, through the ILO, the Global Union Federations are working through the brands to try to put pressure on them and on the garment manufacturers. The Accord is obviously uh, keeping up pressure to make sure that factories are being inspected and the remediation is taking place. And, of course, we're trying to support uh, organizing where possible. So I think there's a, there's a lot that's being done, but, you know, the Bangladesh government, I think, is hoping that people have kind of forgotten uh, about the country now that it's been a couple of years on and is, is very obviously um, kind of uh, going back on its commitments. So we're, we're doing everything we can to uh, stop that from happening. In China, more workers are trying to start independent unions, and that is worrying the government. Radio Labor's senior correspondent, Seamarie Ainsborough, has a report. The Chinese government is cracking down on independent labor organizing as more workers are bypassing the officially recognized union to fight for their rights. The respected NGO, China Labor Bulletin, reports that in the southern province of Guangdong, where many of the country's industrial facilities are located, the number of strikes and protests have increased dramatically. In July, there were 23 reported labor actions. In November, there were 56. 
Part of the problem faced by the workers as they try to have their grievances addressed is the government's insistence that they work only through the single, officially approved labor body. The All-China Federation of Trade Unions, the ACFTU, is in effect a department of the government. Too often, say a growing number of Chinese workers, the federation ignores workers' complaints or else it sides with the employer. The federation is also known to make sweetheart deals with employers such as Walmart. However, more and more, workers are taking matters into their own hands. For example, just recently, 40 sanitation workers in a southern university town set up picket lines as they took on their employer. Su Shimai is an independent labor organizer who has been working with the sanitation workers. Confronting management should never scare you, she told the workers as they started their strike. Hold on firm to your demands, she said. The bosses will never voluntarily give you anything. We can win. And they did. The workers left their employer with severance payments and were able to negotiate a better contract with a new sanitation company. This victory and others may be why the Chinese authorities have cracked down on labor organizers. Three labor activists have been imprisoned and the fate of four others is unknown. Many other workers have been taken to the local police station to be intimidated and then released. The China Labor Bulletin says that many more such incidents will take place as more workers demand decent wages, benefits and working conditions. This is Seymour Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labor. Drifters featuring Catherine Downing and Nathan Moore on their song, Every Stitch. And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. And so it is all about global solidarity. That song was Every Stitch. Have to add that to our library here. Speaking of music, let's listen to some more. 
It's movement time. Your history books got it all wrong, so I come to you with a song. In 1810, con el gran grito de pasión, se levantaron con razón. Black and brown fighting together on a day I'll always remember. En el 5 de mayo, con el grito de gallo, black, white, and brown bleeding together on a day I'll always Hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams had you guessing, let me kick y'all down with a little history lesson. In the 19th century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military and U.S. Navy, Mexico got rid of the caste system, voted for its first indigenous president, even getting rid of legalized slavery. The Underground Railroad also ran south led black folks to freedom with Mexico right there to receive them. In 1910, it was Mexican men with Pancho Villa and Zapata fighting for tierra, libertad y techo with Adelitas on the front line with bullets across their pecho. In the year 1946, it was the Mendez family that fought against segregation in schools because before that, they treated us like fools, pushing us out into gangs, wars, and drugs. And then they get pissed off at us when we become crips and bloods, traviesos, zutsuras, pachucos, folkloristas, punks, bomberas, haraneras in the heat, haraneras with the bomb as beat. Talking about what's really going on in the streets. In the 60s, in the streets of Oakland, California, Black Panthers organized for answers. Young lords in New York fought against wars. The Stonewall Rebellion remained true for the rights of the LGBTQ. AIM, who was down for native rights with no shame in their game. Brown berets in LA learning how to fight and doing what's right. In the Campos of California, Filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott. Screaming in solidarity, Isang Baksak. One rise, one fall. You come for one, you come for all. And today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play. Carving out racist laws like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar, and Bell. With my mentor, Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day where my people are hunt down like prey. ability to breathe is directly connected to my ability to see it's not about me never was never will be it's about we it's time to move y'all it's movement time
I'll tell of how the good old Union has come in here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner and I'm a miner's son. And I'll stick with the Union till every battle's won. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a Union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Don't scab for the bosses, don't listen to their lies. Us poor folks haven't got a chance unless we organize. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Which side are you on?
asked was uh, Brother John Fromer. We do the work. We have two things I think that corporate America wants from us, wants us to have, wants us to do. One is our labor, of course, and one is our debt. So if we withhold those two things, as we saw what happened when all kinds of people didn't pay their mortgages, the whole edifice tottered and fell, had to be saved by a massive, massive in, influx of uh, our money. We talked a lot last week about Dr. Martin Luther King and his uh, close affiliation with the labor movement, which included uh, using tactics that had been uh, developed and used in the labor movement, and some of his personnel, notably uh, Roy Wilkins, who began as an organizer for the UAW, and Bayard Rustin, who uh, was a close, had close affiliation with a lot of uh, unions. A. Philip Randolph, who started the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. All of them were, were allies of King. Here's another story. In 1957, a story came out uh, on a poster in Mississippi that King had gone to a commie school, that he was a communist. This is what they were trying to do was smear King with being a communist, with being a homosexual, with having relations with uh, people in his staff and, and trying to turn people against King and his message that way. So this is what happened with King and Highlander Folk School, which is a unique school here in the United States. On September 7th, September 2nd, 1957, King joined the staff and the participants of a leadership training conference at Highlander Folk School to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Highlander was started in 1932 by a guy named Miles Horton in Tennessee. And uh, originally it was kind of a workshop for labor leaders a place, one of the few places in the South where black and white could get together. Um, Rosa Parks attended a 1955 workshop for months before her act of resistance, refusing to give up her bus seat. And someone later asked her, had it made any difference to her that she had gotten together with white people and other African-Americans at Highlander Folk School. And just by talking about the issue and, and uh, discussing all the possibilities, this is where the strategy developed for the uh, Montgomery bus boycott. So they said, did it make any difference? She said, yeah, it made all the difference. It taught her that there were a lot of people who were behind her. 
Highlander also developed a citizenship program where African, young African Americans generally went out and taught older people, more traditional people, how to fill out a voting rights voter registration paper, producing basic literary skills using the Declaration of Human Rights, for example, of the United Nations. Miles Horton himself claimed that he had met King during his junior year at Morehouse College and invited him to come to the school while attending the celebration of the 21st anniversary, 25th anniversary of Highlander, an undercover agent sent by the Georgia Commission on Education took a photograph of King. The photo was sent throughout the South and used as a propaganda tool against King with claims that it showed him attending a communist training school. Other future leaders of the movement is Marion Berry, Diane Nash, James Bevel. It was closed down by the state of Tennessee. Um, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference took over the citizenship program and filling the need for developing new leadership as teachers and supervisors, providing the broad educational base for the contribution the population at large through establishment of citizenship schools under the leadership of SCLC and the supervision of Clark Dorothy Cotton and Andrew Young the schools eventually trained approximately 100,000 adults in August 1961 Horton opened another school in Knoxville Tennessee calling it the Highlander Research and Education Center. Okay, so Miles Horton, uh, one of the pioneers of what we might call Freyden, Freyden education, education by doing, doing and educating. Martin Luther King going to a commie school. Here's Lenny Bruce. I mean, uh, well, let's, let's play this one. Richie Haven, someone we lost just recently with the Klan.
wore a burning hood to hide it to rotten core of the wood. And I cried, Father, I hear an iron sound. They hook beats on the frozen ground. Downhill the riders came. Lord, it was a crying shame to see the blood upon their whips, to hear the snarling of their lips, and I cried, Mother. I feel the stabbing pain Hey, blood flows down like summer's rain Summer's rain One wore a mask of white to hide his cruel face from sight. Each one sucked the hungry breath out of the empty lungs of death. And I cried, Sister, hey, sister,
Okay, we had Richie Havens there, and we had um, Barbara Dane with Bitter Rain from her album, I Hate the Capitalist System. And Richie's was The Clan. The guy who's in The Clan is a devil, not a man. How could we forget, can't forget the the whole fiasco in Detroit and Flint of the poison water. As I said later, I consider it an act of war by the haves and the corporate edifice, corporate structure that's controlling our most of our government and an act of war against poor people. Flint is 58% uh, black. Median income there is $14,000 for African-American people. As Michael Moore commented, you won't see this happen in Gross Point. You won't see this happen in Beverly Hills. And why is that? We have to look into that. And we have to look into the whole Oscar fiasco where for the second straight year, not one person of color was nominated for anything. Even Wendy Williams, the uh, daytime hostess, used the phrase white as the Oscars. And of course, there are people out there, I believe Michael Caine, a couple of British stars who 
and uh, one producer of an anti-Obama film commenting that it's all a big fiasco. Uh, there, there are no Af um, people of color in there because they didn't deserve to be in there. We can't give people nominations or prizes just because they're black. Amazing. Utterly amazing. The real fact is that the Oscars are a, a white cultural institution. And every once in a while they include other people, but it's by, for, and about whites. I guess there's going to be some revision of that. Uh, but one African-American woman, Dash, Stacy Dash, said that there shouldn't even be any black institutions like that. The Oscars are for everybody. Obviously not. <laughs> okay, about this time on our show, the 11 o'clock hour, I always like to play uh, a little Lalo Guerrero. Uh, there's a new film out, a new documentary called Lalo Guerrero, the first Chicano. Lalo Guerrero. There we go, the Marijuana Boogie. Here we go. Se alerta ese vato, no se vaya al rol Porque va a empezar al rato el piano del cantón Porque va a empezar al rato el marihuana boogie boy Se llama Juana, 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 Juana Pero ya todos los vatos le dicen marihuana Mari, marihuana, cómo te quiero yo Me siento volador Peguéle bute esas teclas Ya estoy aviador Peguéle bute esas teclas Que ya estoy volador 
And of course, uh, Lalo Guerrero's Marijuana Boogie there brings us into a discussion of our one of our sponsors, Alta California Botanicals, and they make uh, tinctures based on the cannabis plant. And they go from a pain relief tincture, which is high in CBD, which is the uh, healing agent associated with the cannabis plant. Then you got anxiety relief, you got spasm relief, you got pain relief, then you got stress release relief. And they go in varying ratios between the CBD and the THC. So um, give them a shot. Uh, as time goes on, we realize more and more the healing powers and the relieving powers of, of uh, the cannabis plant. They're at AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com, capital A, capital C, capital B. So uh, check them out. I think we all know how destructive over-the-counter drugs can be and how addictive. Here's an alternative that might work for you. Okay, we're on our second album now. Second album? Second hour now. This is Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is. We tell you that... uh, If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. We tell you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone in your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, we're talking Super Bowl now. Super Bowl's in town with all its attendant uh, parties, celebrations, human trafficking of uh, girls and boys, young women and men from all over the world coming to San Francisco to party for a football game. Got a a couple of football stories here. One of them is UC admits liability in 2014 death of Cal football player. This is on the uh, San Francisco Chronicle website. The University of California has admitted its negligence was a substantial factor in the 2014 death of Cal football player Ted Agu, who died after a strenuous team workout. The admission comes after testimony in a lawsuit brought by Agu's parents raised questions about the actions of Cal football personnel. This, this young man was ordered by his coach to run up and down a hill holding a rope together with another player over and over and over again after which uh, 
He collapsed. He collapsed and died. So Cal has admitted its uh, its liability here. At the time of Agu's death on February 7th, 2014, the Cal football team was coming off one of the worst seasons. Makes the coach mad. Head strength and conditioning coach Damon Harrington devised the drill to try something new, exciting, fresh. Kind of keep the guys engaged. The workout involved groups of players grabbing a heavy rope together, running to a steep street nearby, and charging up and down the incline ten times. His are a whole different type of workout. His are like some down south mental toughness. It's like we got to push you to your edge to see if we can go even further. Though he was a walk-on who didn't see much playing time, the six foot four, 258-pound Agu often worked out longer and harder than what was required. He exercised relentlessly despite the fact that he'd been diagnosed with sickle cell trait in his blood, a blood condition peculiar to African-Americans and Mediterranean peoples. At times of extreme exertion, many hematologists and sports doctors say red blood cells will turn crescent-shaped, a process known as sickling obstructing small blood vessels and leading to a metabolic crisis. So, another life sacrificed at the altar of machismo. If you saw the uh, movie If you saw the movie um, Concussion, you'll know something about this next guest, this next talker, Dr. Bennett Amalu. And this time Amalu is bringing up the case of O.J. Simpson. And uh, Amalu says that he bets his medical license on the fact that O.J. Simpson has CTE. Let's start Dr. Amali. I think it's very irresponsible to say what he's saying. I'm with you. And for somebody who's a former player and who Start this over. Now, Dr. Amalu. Now we're getting in dangerous ground because he says he's willing to bet and it's not irresponsible. I think it's very irresponsible to say yep. what he's saying. I'm with you. And for somebody who's a former player and who understands this and who has been in very many, in, in a lot of medical meetings about this, it worries me. For this fact, I'm a former player, right? So now. He has so much passion for it, he feels like because Junior Seau or, or Mike Webster or Durson didn't affect other people, 
that people didn't care. He feels like that's why concussion figure uh, finished behind Alvin and the chipmunks because it's not affecting other people. So now when you put this narrative on OJ and the things that he's done since football, it's now affecting society. So he feels like this is a way to get other people involved and make them care about this subject that it can one day affect you because these football players can fly off the rails because of things that they suffered during during their career. So now when I go to get hired, if it's not at ESPN and I go to somewhere else, now do people have to look at me like, will Ryan Clark someday because of CTE yep. do something irresponsible? Will we be able to control him? And on the other side of that, now can every former football player who decides to make bad decisions say, you know what, I'm suffering from CTE or this could be from football, so that's my defense, that's my excuse. And it is irresponsible to say it now. Now, if, if, if OJ passes and we're able to do the study and research his brain and we find out he was suffering from CTE, which we can't directly correlate to the decisions he's made since football. And I understand Dr. Malo has a passion for this, he and does. it's great for the players who play now, and it's great for us who, after football, may have to deal with this. But we can't start attributing bad behavior and making the irresponsible claims that I will bet my medical license. No, you won't because you can't. There's no betting line in Vegas that no. says you can put up your medical license, yeah. but when you say these things, people take it as word, people take it as Bible. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you put a lot of us at risk, mm -hmm. and you put a lot of attention well on a lot of people who have dealt and played football, and you can't prove it. And that bothers me, I don't think it's right, and I have an issue with it. have some more of that was Ryan Clark an ex-player doesn't like uh, Dr. Amalu saying that that OJ Simpson because he's saying then we can blame everything we do ex-players do on CTE but nevertheless 87 out of 91 ex-players brains that have been studied showed signs of CTE On the day we learn the NFL has pulled its funding from a scientific study designed to verify the diagnosis of CTE in the living, we examine the movie Concussion. Now, the protagonist is an expressive Nigerian physician, Dr. Bennett Amalu, who first detected the degenerative brain disease, CTE, and ran into a brick wall of denial from the National Football League. That was when I started having an inkling of the systematic corruption in the system. There can only be one truth. The moment you start having two truths, there's something wrong. A conversation with Bennett Amalu and also two former NFL players who have seen this film and have very definite impressions. That's today, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Outside the Lines. Okay, well, let's just skip that. Um, Dr. Bennett Amalu who claims that he would bet his... Probably the piece in the ether. He would bet his medical license on the fact that O.J. Simpson has CTE. You heard Ryan Clark 
denying that very strongly. Um, let's see what else we can come up with here at any rate. Um, this is Labor and Love. And let's listen to some music. And uh, Mr. Block, followed by American Idiot. Here's Mr. Block, song by Joe Hill about a worker whose I'll introduce a true believer in the capitalist system. A man that is a credit to our red, white, and blue. His hat is made of lumber and solid as rock. Is a common worker and his name is Mr. Block. And Block, he thinks he may be president someday. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Yes, Mr. Block is lucky. He found a job by G. The shark got seven dollars for job and fare and fee. They shipped him to a desert and dumped him with his truck. But when he tried to find his job, he sure was out of luck. He shouted, that's the raw. I'll fix them with the law. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake. You make me ache, tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. The money kings in Cuba blow up the gunboat main, but block it off all angry and blamed it all on Spain. He went right in a battle and there he lost his leg. And now he's peddling showstrings and he's walking on a pen. He shouts, remember Maine, hooray to hell with Spain. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Poor Block, he died one evening. I'm very glad to stay. He climbed the golden leather up to the pearly gate. He said, oh, Mr. Peter, one word I'd like to tell. I'd like to meet the Astorbilts and John D. Rockefeller. Oh, Pete said, is that so? You'll meet them down below. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache, tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Okay, and that was Mr. Block. Let's read uh, our weekly Mr. Block cartoon. Mr. Block, of course, is a uh, cartoon comic made up uh, by 
an IWW group, and that song there was by Joe Hill. So here's Block as he invests his savings. He's throwing away the IWW paper in, into the fire, into the stove. The anarchist, this anarchist paper from Spokane is a limit. It says a working man can't get rich by saving his money. Taint so. Here's a respectable paper. So he's sitting there reading. It says everybody can be successful if he only makes up his mind. That's the dope. There's success staring me right in the face. I am going to invest my savings at once. And the sign there across the street says investment and mining. Huge dividends. Invest your earnings. Now there he goes. Thank you, Mr. Block. It took me 10 years of hard labor to save this money. The ambition of my life will soon be realized. I will be rich and won't have to work anymore. I will build a nice house and enjoy life. Hurrah! And just then the bank blows up. The banker and another guy are in a fly-by-night blimp that says investment company it says meet me in Monte Carlo and all poor block can say is busted Mr. Block don't be a Mr. Block or Mr. Block's cousin the American idiot here's Green Day <laughs> Subliminal mind fuck 
Okay, a little bit more on this Omalu story. It's interesting that ESPN put on a player, Ryan Clark, who is uh, has mixed feelings about Omalu's assertion that O.J. Simpson is probably suffering from CTE. Uh, number one, he says, you know, can O.J. be excused for what he did or it's going to make it harder for players to get jobs after they stop playing, um, that it's irresponsible of Amalu to make that assertion at this point. I don't think I agree with him. I think as a medical doctor, Amalu's got to say everything he can to do something to ameliorate this situation, which is basically being... Ignored again as the NFL pulls its money out of of uh, CTE research. And uh, it's interesting. ESPN put on that person, didn't put a Malu on. So Malu says, um, what is noteworthy is that a Malu whose story is the basis of the Will Smith biopic concussion is willing to deliver a speculative assessment of such a high-profile figure despite never having examined him. In the interview with ABC News, Amalu explained that Simpson exhibits the disease's behavioral symptoms, which include explosive, impulsive behavior, impaired judgment, criminality, and even mood disorders. I'm going to try to dig that that uh, interview up. We'll take a look at that. Okay, that was Green Day with uh, American Idiot. And uh, speaking of governors, Rick Snyder, the governor of Michigan... Uh, here's Lenny Bruce talking about a Southern governor uh, during the 60s. Now, if I can only straighten out Governor Long. <laughs> doesn't want to listen to me. I would have had him over, but he won't dress, you know. <laughs> Just sits in his pajamas, won't put his teeth in or anything. He's sitting, cursing at his wife, running around, making speeches in motels. Like, uh, He's really a delight, though. He really cracked me up. He had the greatest political campaign of any public figure. It, I show him on television. Dig his political platform. I'm not a nut. <laughs> what is that, right? No honesty, better schools. I'm not a nut. That's all I got. So I don't wet the bed, elect me. That's all. Forget it. Governor Long is really a sign of our times. How did the governor get out? He fired the people who put him in. <laughs> Go fight that kind of action. You're a nut. You're fired. <laughs> if you read time, they grabbed him making phone calls. Ding, ding, ding. Hello, this is Governor Long. Give me McElroy, Secretary of Defense. Hello, Mac. <laughs> This is the governor. Yes, they give me a lot of trouble down here, son. Jean Lafitte is bombarding us again. 
Are you there? It's the governor. He whacked out. He's dingling, Daddy. Forget the re-election. Governor! All right, Your Majesty. Don't talk to any newspapers whatsoever. The Watchtower? All right. Yes. Yes. All right, we're going to send some uh, FBI men down to take care of you. Yes. They'll be dressing all in white. It's warm in Washington now. Mm-hmm, good deal. All right, Governor. Well, let's see now. The FBI men will be here soon. A lot of important things to do today. Let's see what I have to do. Uh, empty the garbage and... Uh, yeah, I got to meet Aaron Burr for lunch and... Uh, Governor Long. Yes, what is it? The FBI men are here to see you. Thank you. You're free, Bueller. <laughs> last actors. If you've seen me work before, you know I stole that voice from another characterization. That's actually Governor Farbus's voice when, when he was popular. It's weird. You fickle, you people. You swing with one hero and... Okay. Taken out of the home of Governor Farbus. The daughter. Daddy, I got a wonderful surprise for you. Well, what is it, Belle of the South? Well, Daddy, your daughter Sheila Jaw is going to get married. Married? Well, that certainly brings a warm spot to my old southern heart. Can't believe you're such a big girl, Sheila, getting married. You uh, marrying a local boy? No, Daddy, he's a New York stage actor. Mom and I met him last year in Freeport, Long Island. Hmm, well, I've never had too much truck with stage people, but I'm sure if my daughter Sheila Joy picked him out, he's a fine, upstanding man. What's his name, sugar? Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Italian boy, eh? Well... So there's Lenny Bruce uh, with his impression of a couple of governors. Uh, he'd have a field day with this water crisis in uh, Michigan. Well, I'm looking for uh, Bennett Amalu speaking for himself. You're going to have to be careful throughout this to watch for the NFL's way of spinning. So they have taken their money out of CTE research. Who knows why? We'll have to look that up too. Uh, but Again, ESPN and all these sports people who feed off the trough of pro football and pro sports in general will be spinning it. This is their livelihood. Amalu made the remark that if 10% of parents refused to let their kids play football in youth leagues, the sport would be gone. Okay, January 15th, 2016 was a day of uh, the death of one of the giants of Chicano poetry, Francisco X. Alarcón. Okay. Um, Alarcón was known for his children's poetry, but also his... Uh, dedication to the uh, cause of Chicanos. We'll have a uh, 
a little biographical sketch of him. But first I want to play this poem. This is Together You and I Are the World by Francisco. I, I like for reading the poem that's called Dialectica del Amor, Dialectics of Love. It says, Para el mundo no somos nada, pero aquí juntos tú y yo somos el mundo. Dialectics of Love. To the world we are nothing, but here together you and I are the world. Thank you, sweetie. Francisco Alarcón, um, reading his poem, Together You and I Are the World. Very short. Alarcón was an award-winning Chicano and American poet and educator. He is one of the few Chicano poets to have gained recognition while writing mostly in Spanish within the United States. His poems have also been translated into Gaelic and Swedish. He made many guest appearances at public schools so he could help and influence and inspire young people to write their own poetry because he felt that children are natural poets. Alarcón was born in Wilmington, California and had uh, four brothers and two sisters. He moved to Guadalajara when he was six and then back to California when he was 18. Alarcón felt that he became a writer when he was 15 and helped transcribe his grandmother's own ballad-like songs. His grandmother was a native speaker of Nahuatl, the uh, indigenous language of uh, central Mexico. Growing up in both the United States and Mexico and experiencing both cultures helped shape the kind of writing he would create. Uh, he graduated from California State University, Long Beach. Um, in 1982, while on a Fulbright Fellowship to Mexico City, Alarcón discovered Aztec incantations translated by a Mexican priest. These later inspired the writing of snake poems and Aztec invocation. He also met his soulmate, Mexican poet Elias Nandino, on his trip to Mexico City. Alarcón was very impressed with how Nandino refused to hide his homosexuality from the world. Um, he was falsely accused of the murder of a young man, Teddy Gomez, later sued the city of San Francisco because of the trauma the investigation caused. The amount of people who came to Alarcón's aid, visiting him in jail, speaking up on his behalf, praying for him, showed how the commun Chicano community can come together during times of trouble. He taught at the University of California, Davis, and uh, I want to read one, one of his poems which he himself posted on a Facebook page for the Capital Nine. If 
For the Capital Nine, to the nine students arrested on April 20, 2010, at the Arizona State Capitol for protesting SB 1070, the notorious law passed by the state of Arizona that gave uh, law enforcement people, police, the right to check people's citizenship papers or lack of them. <clears throat> this is how it goes. For the Capital Nine, Carnalitos y Carnalitos. Brothers and sisters, from afar we can hear your heartbeats. They are the drums of the earth. Our people follow closely your steps as warriors of justice and peace. You take on the beast of hatred, the unlawful police enforcement of discrimination. You chain yourself to the doors of the state capitol so that terror will not leak out into our streets. Your voices, your actions, your courage can't be taken away from us and put in jail. You are the nine young warriors like nine sky stars. You are the hope, the best dreams of our nation. Your faces are radiant as the sun. They will break this dark night for a new day. Yes, carnalitas and carnalitos, all our brothers and all our sisters. Need no papers to prove that once and for all we were we are humans just like you are. We are not criminals. Our plea comes to no to criminalization, yes to legalization. Para los nueve del capítulo by Francisco X. Alarcón, giant of Chicano poetry who died on January 15th. Okay, labor notes. Let's just talk a little now about Seattle Uber drivers win the right to bargain. We're told it's every worker for himself in this new gig economy. But these Uber, Lyft, and taxi drivers banded together to pursue an old-fashioned goal collective bargaining this is going to be this is in Seattle let's see labor notes labor notes also have a notice about Philadelphia teachers go for it check out the labor notes page and uh We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. That's uh, an interesting situation. As Uber drivers decide that they want collective bargaining too. Still trying to get the story up here, but uh, looks like it's not going to happen. We'll make that one of our feature stories next week. Today in labor history... Chilean in labor history, Sojourner Truth addresses the first black women's rights convention, 1851. The Sheet Metals International Association is founded in Toledo, Ohio, 1888. 
200 miners are killed in a horrific explosion at the Harwick Mine in Cheswick, Pennsylvania. Many of the dead lie entombed in the sealed mine to this day. The novel 16 Tons carries the reader down into the dark and dangerous coal mines in the early 1900s. Supreme Court upholds Yellow Dog contracts which forbid membership in labor unions. Those contracts remain labor legal until 1932. Today in labor history. The first, no, the first noted strike in California, first documented one, Indian field workers at San Juan Capistrano Mission refused to work, engaging in what was probably the first farm worker strike in California, 1826. Remember, you're not alone. as long as you're standing up. If you're sitting down, you're going to be counted as standing up for sitting down. Strike in outer space. The Skylab strike. Okay. Lawyers, guns, and money. The crew of Skylab went on a one-day strike, and what happened was that they were being pushed relentlessly by NASA to work 16-hour days. Their schedule called for 84 straight days of 16 hours each. Um, they were inside the, the rocket ship. One of them had gotten sick, which sort of slowed down their progress of learning about the mission. Uh, and they were repeatedly pushed by NASA. So strike in space. So one day what they did was they turned off the radio that allowed them to communicate with the uh, space center and they sat around for one day and relaxed. Needless to say, they were not allowed into outer space. They were punished for what they'd done. A strike in outer space? You bet. Okay, here's the Grateful Dead. Reminding you to uh, keep your day job. Oh, God. Cheers to say. 
That was uh, Grateful Dead. Keep your day job, that eight-hour day. <clears throat> this is Labor and Love, and this is the bee talking to you. It's about time for us to get out of here and uh, invite Scott Walker in with Flat Black Plastic. This is Mutiny Radio. We're located at 2781 21st Street here in San Francisco, the Mero Mero, the heart of the Mission District. And the show is Labor and Love from 10 to 12 every Saturday morning. Broadcasting live. Otherwise, you can get our podcasts and those of all the programmers here at Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm slash podcasts. 
Those are the beasts signing off. Remember, when one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Here's the Internacional. See you next Saturday. Okay, bye everybody. Hope you have a good Saturday, Sunday, and a good week. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! 
because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives. Smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Can you tell me what food relieves you? Available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. 
Oh, podcast god, I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and muniradio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go! www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to subliminalsf.com now. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. Yes. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? 
That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year?